You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it in the first place. To me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So, again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think, uh, sometime before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. I have some very special returning guests to today's show, as well as a new guest, if you will, um, Go ahead and get them introduced before we let the cat the bag on this morning's discussion question. If you are a first-time listener, um, again, I go by the name Black Socrates, and we like to take the Socratic method, if you will, of trying to ask the right questions to get to the answers. And again, before I let it out, let's introduce our actual guest. I'm actually going to start with long-time caller who's kind of earned his way onto the show, uh, Brother Pianchi, out of the uh, – St. Louis area, Brother Pianchi Nefakara, thank you, King, for being on with us this morning, if you will, King. Uh, say hello to the Truth Seekers. Again, you are a returning guest. And tell whatever little bit of background you want to give. I know you spent some years monitoring education and things of that nature, but if you will, share that background before we get into this morning's discussion question. Well, good morning to you, Montoya. A crispy morning here down in the south. Oh, you know, education. <clears throat> well, I've been studying education as a plaza. Of black students since the 70s, I guess 72. During the advent of Bedford Stew there in New York, so it has been a concern, and we spoke on it, tried to advise people. Uh, not nothing on a professional level, or nothing on a standout, but it's just a general conversation. No, uh, absolutely, and I know you helped your grandson, if you will, navigate through this. Education system. He's doing his big, doing big things. We've had you on talking about that journey with your grandson. But without further ado, let's go to the other guest here. I'm gonna go to another returning guest, Baba Amin. Um, <clears throat> Amin, 
Imamu Ojiwoke, if you will, King, thank you for returning back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. If you will, say hello to the truth seekers and tell them about your background, which is thing of educating these black children out here. Go ahead, King. Thanks again for being with us. Peace and power. Can everybody hear me okay? Yep, just keep coming through okay. You're a little low, just so you know, but they can hear you, though. Okay. Well, peace and power. My name's Bob co-founder, along with my beautiful wife of Uhura Academy Education Solutions. Um, I've been an independent educator and an advocate for black youth for over 30 years uh, uh, through community rights and passage programs, but I've also worked uh, with uh, gang intervention. I've worked with youth job development. I've done uh, youth advocacy. Um, I've worked in alternative schools, public schools, uh, was a lead instructor in the first alternative school for elementary school students um, uh, in Fort Worth. Um, I've worked in the juvenile justice system um, as well. Uh, but for the last 12 years, uh, we've run our own uh, African-centered empowerment-based school called the Uhura Academy, which has since expanded to become Uhura Academy Education Solutions, where we travel the country and we help communities, families, institutions uh, bring more culturally relevant empowerment-based curriculum to black youth, uh, establish their own programs, uh, and we're proud to be here. What's up, Truth Seekers? Hey, love it, man. Again, long, extensive background. Glad to have you here. Without further ado. The champ is here! The champ is here! I've only given one other person that honor. We're coming on the show. It's a first-time guest. I normally start with our queens, but I'm going to give her just her proper due because I literally begged my queen to handle this thing this morning because she, she tried to transition out of education. With, I think, 30 years of experience, I wanted to give her her proper due. I got my queen, Tenway, over GO4 on the line with us this morning. Thank you, queen, for holding me down. I know it was an extra special request, and, you know, I love you dearly for it, but I had to just you know, give you the proper proper intro as the champ is here. Thank you, Queen, for being with us. If you will, say hello to the truth speakers and give them your background. Again, just extensive, extensive background with teaching these black children, if you will, Queen. Thank you so much for being on with us this morning. Well, good morning. Good morning to everybody. Uh, yes, you're right. I was very nervous coming on here. However... I had to do it for Montoya. Um, my my background, I've been teaching about, I started in 84, so do the math. Um, I started in California. I've taught uh, in Georgia in the public schools since 1989 is when I moved here. I did a stint with Scholastic Consulting with teachers around the country. Um, I've been a reading specialist for about 22 years now. I've taught on the island of Curacao, helping them develop their reading program. And most importantly, I am on the board of Quilombo Quilombo Academic and Cultural Institute, which is an African-centered school here in Decatur, Georgia. No, oh, I love thank it. Thank you, Montoya. <laughs> no, absolutely. Thank you for holding me down. This morning's discussion question, let's go ahead and get into it. We got a break coming up here real quick, but we'll start the way we always start. But this morning's discussion question for everybody out there listening, if you're listening, please share this 
uh, link, if you're listening via the link, share with others because this is going to be a very important discussion as we are discussing public school education benefit or detriment to black children. Again, that discussion question this morning is public school education benefit or detriment to black children. As you hear, all of my guests have an amazing uh, background when it comes to this. So we want to really just dig into this from all perspectives. Uh, but again, the way I like to start the show, and I'm going to actually start with our queen, if you will. I know you're a little nervous, but thank you, queen. You, you sound good, so I don't even worry about that. And we're going to make it real simple. When you heard the discussion question, all you're doing for the initial thing is just very quickly, because we're going to go to break in about a little over a minute here. You heard the discussion question worded exactly that way. Can you recall your a first initial thought? You don't have to go too in-depth into what else you thought, but just the initial thought when you heard the question worded that way. If you will, Chinway, what was your first thought? Uh, mostly detrimental, without a, without a doubt. Oh, wow. Okay. Sounds good. All right, I'm going to go to you, Brother Pianchi. Um, your first initial thought, again, without going in depth, because we're all going up on against a break, and we'll get hot and heavy out of this break. Your first initial thought when, you heard, when I asked you to be on this particular show with that question. Well, I, I agree with the lady. It's, it's, she's absolutely on point. It's detrimental overall when you look at it. There's good uh, sparkles, uh, glimmer of hopes here and there. But as far as a general percentage-wise, it's detrimental. All right, brother Baba Ami, twenty-six. I think you said twenty-six years independent, <laughs> stepping outside of the system. So, what was your initial thought? We're going to go to break. Um, I'm in agreement. Look like we got a good panel today. We're in basic agreement. I'm sure when we flesh it out, we'll, we'll see. You know, what I'm saying uh, we'll get more specific. But absolutely, the school, the public school system, is detrimental. Uh, to black children. All right. Love the thought. So I'll just let y'all know I'll be the devil's advocate on this show because, again, that helps us all the thoughts and what the perspectives are. So so for anybody out there listening, I'll be in the role of saying that it's beneficial to a degree, and that's just based on, again, just ensuring that we are dialoguing all the way through this thing and thinking of things that maybe we wouldn't think of sometimes when we're all in agreement. So just keep that in mind. We are going up against the break. We'll be right back and get hot and heavy into this morning's discussion. Public school education benefit or detriment to the black black to black children, I'm sorry. Public school education benefit or detriment to black children. We'll be right back. But all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of Intelligent Radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. 
What's Elfram Secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. That day, Mr. West became invisible. And so we began to go through the process of trying to identify what is it that causes young African-American males to disengage from school? What is it that they're experiencing? And we found out the number one factor contributing to disengagement is our young African-American males do not make the critical connection between education and their future financial well-being. In other words, how is the stuff you're teaching me in school going to get me paid? How is an A on a report card equal a $100 bill? Because I guarantee you one thing, that there are always two things on a child's mind who comes from poverty. And those two things are food and money. I'm hungry. I need to eat. I need money to buy some clothes. And if you can't tell me how education is going to get me one or the other or both, I may disengage. We went throughout the districts across the country, and we surveyed over 1,000 students, and we found out 68% of those students did not make that critical connection. Two different students show up in the classroom. One understands how pedagogy and education leads to future well-being, financial well-being. The other shows up and does not make the critical connection. The teacher disseminates pedagogy to both the same way. After a while, an education gap is imminent. We created a specialized curriculum that helped our young people make that critical connection. And as a result of doing that, we took a group of students from sagging to suits and from dropout to graduation. Because we began to understand the strategies in terms of what was necessary to make them make the critical connection. And so when you... Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, public school education benefit or detriment to the black children's special guest, an array of panel here. Typically don't do it as a panel, if you will, but I wanted to make sure we were tackling this from every aspect. Uh, fortunate enough to have on, again, Tenway Obijo 04, and that queen, a lot of years in the school system. I have on Baba Amin, 26 years teaching outside of the school system, as well as Brother Pianchi, uh, one of our longtime listeners, consulting specifically on the education of black children throughout the year. So we have it on all levels as we hear a cut that breaks down one of the issues, if you will, specifically for our you know, our black boys. But I'm going to start with you, Chenway, if you will, and the queen of the show, if you will. Um, just your initial thoughts to dig into maybe the cut that you heard or just kind of wherever you would like to go to kind of kick us off in this morning's uh, discussion. Well, I'm going straight to the cut because, ironically, I interviewed five 18-year-old African males about 15 years ago. And the interview was about their schooling experience 
at, in high school. They had just come out of high school. And they said the exact same thing. That all of them, to a T, of course, in their own words, said that they didn't see the relevancy of their school to their life. Um, they went a step farther. Of course, yes, they said they, wanted, they would have preferred to have more of a financial education, but they also said they would have preferred to have a more realistic sexual education because they knew of classmates. They didn't know what they were doing. They they were confusing venereal diseases. Um, so they said just life. They needed to know more about life, what's going to take them to the next level. They didn't feel they received that, nor did they feel they received enough of their own history in a way that made their history uh, not static, but something that was dynamic. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, I love it. Three cents, Queen. We know we do, you know y'all the smartest audience in all the radio, so just three cents over here. Now nah, you good with it, uh, <laughs> Papa? I mean, I'm gonna run to you, brother. Um, again, having stepped out a long time ago, I've had you on the show many a times, and we've had these discussions, yes. if you will. Uh, but go ahead and jump in where you fit in, King. Um, you know, when we've talked to young people over the years, um, you get a myriad of issues when it comes to the disconnect between our children and what's being offered in the public schools. Of course, relevance is, is huge, cultural relevance, uh, 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 relevant to their present situation. You know, in order to, to see something relevant to my future, it has to kind of connect to my present. It has to address my present situation and how do I – come up out of my present situation. And I think that while you have excellent teachers inside the public schools who, who have addressed that over the years, I met some excellent ones, they're actually going outside of the parameters of the curriculum in order to do it. And I think that part of the issue with the public school system is in order to bring that relevancy, in order to bridge that disconnect, there have been a lot of great efforts, uh, but those efforts haven't been fully supported inside the public school system. I've seen principals and teachers move in, uh, to different schools when they started thinking outside the box to make it more relevant. So not just a lack of relevancy, but even retaliation that comes when, when black educators or educators who get it uh, try to bring that relevancy and make that connection in the school. Now, even the brother in the clip said they had to design a curriculum, and he only had a group of young people that he could work with. You notice he didn't say a school system took it on or, or a whole school took it on. He had to find a group to test his curriculum on. Now, it makes a lot of sense. Brother Piaki, I'm going to pose it just slightly a little different for you um, to a degree. Um, and, again, it's just kind of popping in my head right now, so if you could kind of just give me your perspective on this. So my assumption, um, as much as I'm hearing Chin Wei's real-life experience, having talked to these five young men, you know, as she said, about 15 years ago, my assumption is if I were to interview uh, a myriad of just high school students, students across any race, to a degree, there might be other students who also say, I don't know how a lot of my education was relevant. Um, um, just throwing that out, just so, from a perspective, when I throw it to you that way, um, would, would you agree that one, that they might say it, but what do you think the difference is maybe for someone else, in a, in a sense, of another race, or any race, if you will, saying that there are some levels of irrelevance to the high school system? Would you Do you you know, what if they feel that way? Is it would it be the same, or how would that differ in your opinion? Well, from that angle, and I agree with uh, 
both of the previous panelists, especially my brother here when he made reference of going out of the box and moving of those who tried different things around that does happen, have happened. But see, that question would, the answer to that question posed to a young person would be on what they have experienced and what they've saw. And it's so important to expose a young person to as many different avenues as you possibly can. Avenues lead you somewhere. And the avenues that they presently travel on lead them to a reality that they see. And it also goes back to the parent. See, I don't care how hard you try, other than special preparation, you can't teach what you don't know. And then when you know you don't know what it is you're trying to teach, you have to have the gumption and the ability to go out and find resources that can cover that deficiency that you have because that's going to play out in your child and from the data you got to have data you get that data when you go to the doctor and they gives you that checkup the data is showing that that's just not happening to the greatest extent it is happening it is happening but not to the extent that it should based on the percentage of population that blacks make up in the country now, it makes a lot of sense. I'm going to go back to Baba Amin based on what you're talking about right there uh, As you, when you start mentioning that data. Because uh, something that when we have these, again, we've had this discussion from a different, a lot of angles, if you will. And so uh, one thing that I'm always an advocate of is doing exactly what you're saying, kind of make up that gap. But what, what I hear you specifically say, Brother Piyaki, is to a degree, parents, whatever their position is, are to a degree, they're not necessarily making up that gap and supplementing is the word I'll use in a sense their children are having to navigate public the public school system. And so, Bob, I mean, when I kind of, if you agree in a sense that that's not happening enough within our, in our community, any recommendations even for parents that are trying to figure this thing out? Because I would offer the first recommendation is sacrifice to put your child in a school like yours or like a school like Colombo that um, Chinue, um boards on, if you will. That would be the first offering, but we also know, if we're honest, it's, it's not always mm-hmm. that simple. So you kind of just kind of mm-hmm. jump in where you fit in on what, what does supplementing look like? You as an educator helping parents figure out how to supplement knowing their children are missing a lot of relevance inside of that public school system. You know, it's a, it's a great topic, especially to talk about right now because uh, public school system was kind of exposed in a way uh, during the pandemic. With children being at home and getting online, a lot of working class parents got to see firsthand for the first time, you know, how lackadaisical and lackluster the education approach in school really is. You know, and, and the public school system does a great job of masking uh, its its lack of focus, masking its its its, its uh, laziness behind fancy looking brochures, websites. You, you know what I'm saying behind marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so now you have a lot of parents out there that are seeking it. Um, um, I would I would advise parents number one it's a rethinking process that has to go on because we're products of the public school system too. So a lot of us think that if it don't come from the public school, it's not valid. 
Uh, if it don't come to the public school, that mysterious they ain't going to let us do nothing, you know, but we, you know, and so, so the first thing is that rethinking parents uh, actually need to be reeducated on the power that you actually have when it comes to your child's education. Uh, and, and once we, once we do more, more dialogue about that, you know, uh, campaigns, information marketing campaigns, ads uh, on through social media, whatever, um, uh, re-educating parents on powers that are already there that we don't necessarily exercise. And then once we go from there, you got each state has its own homeschooling laws. Some some states allow you to homeschool and still send your children to the public school uh, for extracurricular activities. Uh, homeschool co-ops. Uh, can happen. Now you're having more and more programs in the virtual space. We're fortunate at Uhura Academy that we've been virtual since 2016, and so we have students uh, for in, in 16 different states uh, right now that are homeschooled by their parents, but they attend our school uh, for their for their actual education. You know, so we're creating more and more um, uh, resources out there, and I think you're going to see more and more opportunities coming up for parents. But I think it begins with first re-educating our own minds to say, you know what, we have rights, but we don't exercise the power, and so we need to, you know, what can you do? You know, and then those those questions can easily be answered uh, by getting on the internet, making a phone call. What can we do? What power? What resources do we have? Uh, and so I found over my thirty years uh, uh, involved in this is that there's there's a process involved in just helping parents reorient how they think about education. Now, strong thoughts, Chinway. I'm gonna come to you, um, having been in, in the. Uh, um, you you you're APS Atlanta Public School System. Is that is that a fair is that a fair assumption by my on my part? Chinway? Well, I I taught for twelve eleven or twelve years in APS. I'm in DeKalb County now. Okay, I want to I, I want to point that out real briefly. Right, right, because you know, um, unfortunately, APS came under a lot of scrutiny. Um, a number of years ago, when it came to the uh, what was the, the, the testing or no the child testing. left behind, and um, so we, I remember yeah. one that was one of our early shows when I think we we've been on that line almost seven years now, and um, I think that might have been our, one of our first year discussions what happened in the APS, and so I want to go and highlight this just from a perspective because again today's discussion question says benefit or detriment to black children, and so. Unfortunately, around the country, what we're quite often saying, right, in the public school system is that our black children, unfortunately, in, in around the country, a lot of times might navigate their 12 years and maybe see one to two black teachers, if that, a black coach in some places, zero. Um, some will go through public school and get to college and go to college and not have seen a black teacher, if you will. And so... That was something that's been highlighted over the years, the idea of even having, you know, in a sense, more black teachers and specifically even male teachers, which is all you hear schools always trying to, in a sense, get those teachers. However, in the Atlantic public school system, it's the opposite to a degree, specifically in that system that black children in a you know, now slightly majority black city, uh, because that number's going down very fast here um, with the um, – um, consensus and stuff, but in the past, it is highly unlikely that you're going to have black teachers, black administrators, and things of that nature. And unfortunately, uh, those schools were highlighted. I'm not saying right or wrong, but they were highlighted in a sense not being able to quote unquote keep up with no child left behind. But if we put that testing aside, 
there's still issues even in our counties where they are going to see teachers that look like themselves. So I said all I say all that to say, um, even having teachers sometimes doesn't help our students navigate in some cases, or at least that's how it looks in the Atlantas of the in the country, the Detroits of the country. We still hear that some of those schools are quote unquote still considered dropout factories when you compare graduation rates. So I wanted to kind of just kind of start there, Chen Wei, with you being in the system, your thoughts about it ain't as simple as having a black face as the teacher. Go ahead and let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, all skin folks ain't kin folks. Um, we all live in this this oppressive system we all get the same messages. So there are some excellent teachers, excellent black teachers who do the best they can, who are out there going outside of the curriculum. But these are isolated incidences. It's not systemic. But you also have teachers, whether they are, it doesn't matter what their race is, their mindset is one of low expectations. And when you have uh, low expectations of a child, children are going to ri- children tend to rise to your expectations. So so you have that. The other thing is that and this is only my experience. A lot of people who are teachers are not the most assertive uh people in terms of standing up for rights, speaking truth to power, being out front, open, and demanding things. There's more of a nurturing, um, laid-back, take-it kind of vibe. And so you don't always get the strong advocates that our children need in order to succeed. So it's not always about skin color as much as it is about mindset and how seeped are you in uh, learning our history, learning culturally relevant pedagogy, those things that are going to move our children to excellence. Now, I love it. We're up against the break. I'm pretty sure uh, both Baba Amin and Brother Pianchi are biting at the bit to get in on that. So we'll get you our thoughts coming out of this quick break. And this cut relates exactly to the same point, so it won't take us off off the um, path, if you will. For anybody out there listening, I see that we got a caller out there. If you want to get in, you can jump in as well. Press 1 if you want to speak. If you're just listening, no no problem. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. Press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. But all I ask is that you think. For all the success stories that we see in traders, there are countless others, thousands, even millions of others, of unsuccessful people who were wiped out. Again, that money had to come from somewhere. These are the first questions that keep you in the game because, again, what trading is not, is not a game. Trading is a practice. It's art and science in a way that if you do it correctly, you can make money. This course is designed to help you as a trader, as a young, burgeoning trader, or if you've had some experience and maybe some difficulties in trading, to understand the elements 
that are involved in what makes trading as hard and competitive and hopefully see some of the success that you probably thought that you would have in the first place. Find this course on Blacks Academy's YouTube page. That's B-L-A-X-E, Academy's YouTube page. In September of 2019, a six-year-old student named Kaya was sitting in her school's office. Okay, she's going to have to come with us now. That's a police officer. This video comes from his body camera. At first, it seems like Kaya doesn't know what's happening. Earlier that day, Kaya had a tantrum. Three school employees said that she had kicked them. The school called the police, who arrested Kaya on charges of misdemeanor battery. The police dropped the charges. After Kaya's grandmother sent this video to the Orlando Sentinel. Kaya's case isn't an isolated incident. A five-year-old girl being handcuffed by police in Florida. For a year, he could not sleep alone. He um, put handcuffs on me. Tossed to the ground by a school resource officer. (laughs) What you're seeing are the effects of a larger problem in American schools. The U.S. doesn't treat all students equally. But if we wanted to, we could do something about that. The next president could decide if that happens. In 2016, researchers at Yale showed teachers this video clip of four preschool students. Their instructions, look for misbehavior and click when you see it. The study was kind of deceptive. None of the kids in the video actually misbehaved. The researchers were using eye tracking software. What they actually wanted to study was who the teachers were watching. Both black and white teachers spent significantly more time watching the black boy in the video. This study showed that even preschool teachers can treat kids differently based on their race without even realizing it. Look elsewhere in the U.S. school system and you'll see this show up in other ways, like at this middle school in Bryan, Texas. They gave students tickets for offenses like disrupting class or using profanity. Black students were four times more likely than white students to receive those tickets. Nationwide, black boys miss way more school due to suspensions than any other group. And this can start a kind of chain reaction. Missing weeks of school due to suspensions makes students much more likely to drop out. Without a diploma, you're much less likely to earn a living wage and much more likely to be incarcerated. All this missing school is helping to drive the highest poverty and incarceration rates in the developed world. So it's worth Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, public school education, benefit or detriment to black children or special guests, Chinwe, Brother Pianchi, as well as Baba Amin, uh, Brother Piyaki, I'm going to let you start 
Again, knowing your personal story, we were fortunate enough a few years ago to kind of have you on as a special guest, and you constantly talked about helping your grandson, in a sense, navigate his education, which he done very well. So when we hear things like what we just heard, that's, in a sense, what our black children, in a sense, face throughout the country, if you will. Um, if you will, how were you able to, in a sense, help your grandson navigate these seem like seemingly ongoing issues systemically within the education system. If you could just kind of speak to that before we go to blah, blah, me. Well, to that particular skit, I tell parents, look at it with a grain of salt. And I'm going to tell you the reason why, because I know of schools and it's been around for a long time, like the chick school system in Kansas city, where in uh, that school, they have a, like an in-house detention class, and you go in that room, Baba, I mean, you only got six chairs, six chairs, six desks. Out of the whole school, if you have six in there, that's a lot. So why come that is not being studied? How do they arrive at that point? Another point. In um, many, many of those activities that you see from those children, uh, should have been picked up at the home and should never have been taught, brought to the school. And that, in fact, is also another a major problem. But all these problems are interactive, and it basically gets down, you got to get back to the basics, the basis of establishing a home, mother and father, and also the basis in doing what's necessary to get the child to the best possible level that you possibly can. So to keep it short, I just end right there. Nah, sounds good. So, Baba, I mean, in that cut, like I said, even the white and black children had to ask on the black kids because they aren't the black kids just better. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's the, that's how we that's how we strike it up, right? I mean, what why, why ain't nothing right. to study? They just bad. Go ahead, King. Well, you know, we live in a society where we're fed images. You know, we're, we're fed images and caricatures of different categories. America's built on that. It's built on classism. Uh, it's built on racism. I don't think there's any disputing that. And, and black people have been fighting a perpetual uphill battle since our ancestors were brought here uh, over 400 years ago. Remember, our, Frederick Douglass had to prove he was a human being, let alone a citizen let alone a man, you know, they had to, we had to prove our humanity. And unfortunately, we're still dealing with, with that, uh, that assumption that the default is that the black child doesn't want to learn. The default assumption is the way that you discipline a black child, it has to be punitive. you got to talk tough to them, like you mentioned a lot with the majority black schools. And I talk to a lot of administrators and, and teachers, you know, they, they, they find, you know, even in, in schools where you got, uh, there might be majority white where they bust some of us there. You know, a lot of times they'll hire a black teacher because they can talk hip or they got a little hood in them. But that don't necessarily mean they're a good teacher. They just they just know how to go hard. And you have black black teachers that 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 assume that you got to be rough. Even even they have to assume that you got to be rough with black child. Talk rough to black boys in particular. You know what I'm saying? And so this whole and all of that goes back to almost that, that, that slave mentality that, that in order to get black kids in line, you've got to, you got to be rough with them and, and, talk, and talk tough, and you got to get tough on them and tough on them. We need police officers in the school and, and, and that sort of thing. So now you're not even trying to identify genius. 
You're not even trying to identify a unique learning style. It's just, okay, you're not behaving, you need punishment. You know, and so to speak to Brother Pianchi's point, that school that had uh, an in-house suspension room with just six students, they changed their assumption about who they were teaching. And the reason why it's not considered is because on the mass level, that assumption that the black child must be brought to heel, that he's coming to school a savage and he has to be civilized, that, that attitude has not changed, all right? Matter of fact, the, the, the opposite is happening. It's being solidified because now it's been monetized. Now uh, I have a child that because everyone assumes something's wrong with you anyway, now I can just shift, shift you to special ed. But what does that do? That doubles the endowment that we get uh, uh, from the state and from the Fed for that child. So now the teachers don't have to deal with you as much, and we get double the money, and nobody's going to outcry because the assumption is that you slow anyway. So, so now black failure has become big business in school. I've had principals tell me that, yeah, my school is failing when it comes to the test, but we a cash cow for the district. They ain't trying to fix this. Oh, wow. So now that it's been monetized, now there are incentives for failure, particularly in working class, poor schools uh, full of our children. Chinway, navigating in and out of that system, uh, what resonates with you listening to Baba break it down from his Again, independent, stepped away long time ago to, you know, just continue to raise brilliant children. Again, I know you're on the board of another amazing school, Colombo, doing the same thing, but you inside the system. So what about he, what he said resonates and what have you seen in regards to um, that assumption and how do teachers like yourself, who I know sincerely give a damn about our children, you know, how are y'all navigating with all these factors kind of own you, if you will, because I remember even the APS stuff, you know, people outside looking in just wanted to paint a picture, and I knew it wasn't that simple when I did the dialogue with some of the administrators, you know, and, and some of the teachers specifically, you know, to be the, 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 the way they were looked at had nothing to do with the reality of what was happening inside of those classrooms. Go ahead, please. I'm over here amen into what both of these brothers are saying. I, I think they are hit the nail on the head. Um, special ed classes are filled with our our children. You go to a, a school that is so-called integrated, the gifted classes are filled up with children who don't look like ours, and the special ed classes are filled up with our children. And, it, and schools do get more money for special ed, they get more money for, um, I'm, I'm currently an ESOL teacher, and teaching English to students of other languages, they get more money for that, they get more money for early intervention programs, so you, they're getting money for these programs, uh, he's absolutely right. Yeah, and so I'm listening. And oh, I wanted to say one more thing. Yeah, please do. Yeah, please. When I was in, when I first moved to Atlanta, went to APS, and I went to a school. I'm not going to name the school. It is. However, I noticed that there, there was cheating going on on the the test, and I went to the principal. I was shocked. I was like, what? Why are you um, allowing this to happen? And rest his soul in peace. He, he's no longer with us physically. 
He said, because AJC publishes the names of failing schools and it gives the perception that our children are dumb and our children aren't dumb. I did not agree with the way he went about it, but it just gives you an, another dimension of what he was, what was going on in his mind. Was that was his way of countering the narrative that AJC, uh, as they were publishing at that time, mm-hmm. the the scores, the the testing scores of schools, and he didn't want his school to be oh, perceived sorry, as. No, he just didn't want his students to uh-huh. be perceived as dumb. No, I got it. We got about a minute before a break. Um, Baba, I mean, I'd be very interested in you hearing that example. If you can give me a quick take on that before we go to break. I'm not surprised. You know, uh, there's so much pressure put on the schools for the children to pass the test, yet the resources that they're provided aren't commensurate with the results they're expected to achieve. There's so much that you have zero tolerance discipline problems. You team that with with, uh, a high-stakes a culturally biased test that if you don't pass, your school loses funding and gets a negative designation. And yes, and and and, and yes, those school, those scores are resulting in a question. They say, how do we close the achievement gap between white and black children? But what they're really saying is, what do we do about black inferiority? Black children are inferior, and they're using these stats. It's a stat deck. And they're using these stats to paint an image of our youth that's not that that's not accurate. And then when we say we have culture, we have culturally relevant solutions that's gonna upset your money a little bit. But we have culturally relevant proven solutions like the African Centered uh, uh, Academy in Kansas City uh, that that when when they work with their children, just providing an African Centered approach to take it on the state test, those children shot to the top of the list in the state on the state test. So we have we have we have proven solutions to the so-called achievement gap, just not solutions that the system is interested in. Makes sense. We're up against the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Where all I ask is that you think. Are you intimidated by money? Well, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves. But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach Ashley Thomas and psychotherapist Dr. Katrina Pitt. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mental Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. In 1964, President Lyndon Johnson created a new federal office accountable to the president, the Office for Civil Rights. Its first task was to desegregate public schools in the South. But soon, they started noticing that some schools were segregating their students without actually calling it segregation. A lot of the black students would be labeled disabled and removed from the mainstream classroom. So they wound up segregated. Daniel Lawson studies school discipline. For years, he's been sounding the alarm about how much school black students are missing due to suspensions. The data he uses in his reports comes from the Office for Civil Rights. In the 1970s, they started requiring schools to report how many students they classified as disabled, 
plus suspensions and expulsions all broken down by race and gender. Over the next few decades, those numbers went up as more punitive ideas about discipline took hold in American schools. Well, in some schools. Gangs and drugs have taken over our streets and undermined our schools. The idea that if you don't, you know, throw the book at kids when they're young for every little thing that they're gonna turn into criminals. Never any research to show that it actually worked. You never see that in schools serving mostly white kids. But in 2011, a new report out of Texas started to cast doubt on that approach. The study looked at discipline records for almost a million students. It tracked the same kids from seventh grade all the way through high school. The results were stunning. Nearly 60% of students had been suspended or expelled at least once. The study also showed that black students facing school discipline for the first time tended to get harsher punishments than white students. And the more disciplinary violations a student received, the more likely they were to drop out. Clearly, Texas had a big problem. The question now was if the problem was bigger than Texas. To figure that out, the Obama administration turned to the data set that the Office for Civil Rights had built. That's how they learned this was a nationwide problem. African-American students are over three times more likely than their white peers to be suspended or expelled often for very similar offenses. They also discovered that the vast majority of suspensions were for behaviors like talking back, using profanity, or violating the dress code. Nonviolent student behaviors, many of which once meant a phone call home. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Before we go any further, I wanted to highlight the Colombo Academia and Cultural Institute is an African-centered accredited school, accredited school in Decatur, Georgia. Colombo's mission is to foster an academically excellent and culturally relevant education that produces students who are equipped to succeed globally and are committed to social justice. On the weekend of April 29th to 30th, 2022, Colombo will host a series of virtual fun games and engaging classes during Colombo's Family Fun Festival. This event, which is for the entire family, is meant to raise money for student tuitions and competitive Saturdays for their teachers. They will have classes in African dance, drumming, cooking, art, exercise, martial arts, and many other topics. For more information, please visit them at colomboschool.com. That is colomboschool.com, K-I-L-O-M-B-O school.com. Chen Wei, if you will, Queen, is a board member of Colombo, if you will, if you want to speak real briefly to the festival y'all have coming up before we get right back into this um, topic, public school education benefit or detriment to black children. Go ahead, Queen. Oh, I encourage everyone to attend this virtual event. As Montoya said, it's April 29th and 30th. Uh, there's music lessons, cooking lessons, Kiswahili lessons. There's, you know, you're right. By Attorney Mauli Davis, who a champion of human rights, uh, teach you about the the law and ways to stay safe. Um, a myriad of classes, and it is open for the whole family. And I highly encourage you come out and support. Come out and support. Support African centered independent institutions, because that's what's going to propel us 
to the next level. No, I love it. And going back to right into this morning's topic, um, I wanted to get Brother Piaki in on this. And this, again, it's just a challenge so that we dialogue through it because, again, I've even mentioned at the very beginning, huge advocate of African-centered education, but to a degree, there's thoughts, there's concerns amongst parents of what does African-centered education even look like. Um, and the reality is, as much as I'm loving highlighting Colombo, as much as we love to have Uhuru Academy uh, showcased, and we'll have Baba Ami showcase some of the stuff that they're doing because they went international with this thing, from what I understand. Um, but even on that end of it, let's even discuss that to a degree. Every African-centered education school hasn't been successful, and I know you could speak to that, Brother Piazzi, so I would like to get into that dialogue as well because we've already presented in the public school system, it's not as simple as having black faces, uh, but for those who have those concerns, let's make sure we are at least addressing that as well. So if you will, Brother Piazzi, you know, give some of your background and history on what you've seen in evaluating some of these schools over the years. Well... <clears throat> I was the field director for African Center Curriculum for the St. Louis chapter of the National Black United Front. And that was something, uh, African Center Curriculum was something that I got involved with uh, very early on in school systems like Detroit, where they had a curriculum throughout the entire district, like I said, Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, coming out of that, you had the Constant Independent Black Institution. And just as you said, that, uh, you know, uh, those systems did not produce the academic successes that uh, you would need. In Detroit, they had a Native Native Bear was a school for Native Americans. In New York, they had an Italian uh, curriculum for Italian students in uh, New York. Whatever you use as a theme, you still have to produce, and those children have to be able to perform on the level as it applies to the basics in particular and beyond that. Uh, just like the last skit you had talking about the disruptions and so forth, so forth, that's something that schools should not be dealing with. And I want to emphasize this. Children don't wake up in the morning wanting to be failures. I have yet to see one. That failure, and it's not really a failure, it's a deficiency. That deficiency starts because the environment that they're coming from, whether it's parents, whether it's family, whether it's neighborhood, it's not doing what it should in order to produce the best out of their child. You see it in basketball and football, but you don't see it when it comes down to academics. Now, you start to see things change a little bit, Montoya, which is a good thing, but it's nowhere near where it should be. So uh, in that last skit, I don't I don't pay attention to that because that's one reason why I come out in favor of school choice where parents can take their child, which they should be doing anyway. You should be putting your child in an environment that's going to lead you into your long-term educational goals for your child. And that's something that should have been determined early on. You bring a child out to a football combine and see if they're going to be a good lineman, a center, a wide receiver, a kickoff, a punter. 
you take them through those processes to see where they will do best on the field. Same thing in a basketball camp. Well, should not the same at least be done when it comes down to education and seeing what your child have an inner ability to perform that would lead them into a certain direction where they may have some problems, but it won't be a failure and a struggle. And what's wrong with changing courses every now and then? I'll leave you with that. I'm going to let Brother Baba, I mean, for the caller that just jumped on, you do have to press 1 if you're trying to jump in on the discussion. If you're just listening via the phone, which is not a problem, you're good, but just wanted to highlight if you're trying to get in on this discussion, you have to press 1. If you're online, the number is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. You have to press 1 to speak. Go ahead, um, Baba I mean, if I could just even highlight this, uh, what I think I understand about the Huru Academy, uh, what we just heard Bianca Pianchi talk about with, you know, the same thing that we do in sports, we can do in school. I think that's to a degree right. what I hear some of the Uhuru approach to the students that come there. Again, you're teaching students all over the country online, so I can imagine that probably looks very different. So y'all kind of specialize in some of that approach, but if you will go ahead and jump in with your thoughts, King. Okay, yeah. One of the things I learned early on was that you don't you don't open a school like you open a store. You don't just build a school. You have to grow a school. You have to grow an institution. Uh, and and of course, you're not going to begin with all of the resources that you would like to have. Our school today does not look like what it's going to look like a hundred years from now. And uh, but what you can do is those things that you are prepared to do well, excel at it. Right. And, 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 and that's where that specialization uh, comes in that can help you uh, survive and thrive. Um, when we got into the African Center school space, one of the things we understood was that we're not a black history school. We didn't start a school just so children could see black faces in the curriculum and connect with the past. I mean, that's that's a big part of it. Right. But only because that's a key component in helping them understand our present and then give them that confidence to propel uh, themselves uh, into the future. Uh, so so we want to dispel and get rid of the stigma that if it's an African center school that you're sacrificing academics for culture, you know, it go hand in hand. You know, matter of fact, we have black history moments at our school, but we don't necessarily have African history classes all the time because we integrate our story into everything that they learn. You're going to learn our history in math when you're doing geometry. We're using pyramids. We're talking about pyramid building and, and, and other things. You know what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into I'm not going to get on my soapbox, but <laughs> I agree. With, I agree with, with Brother Pianchi. You know what I'm saying? We, you, we One of the issues in the past has been that, you know, that, but that had a lot more to do with, with probably in a lot of cases, resources. Some cases you have people who will start the school that are that are that are cultural educators but not necessarily mathematicians, not necessarily scientists. So being able to go out there and being in the virtual space has really helped us because now we go out there and we have instructors, some who are paid, some who are volunteers that are coming in and teaching advanced mathematics, advanced science. We have an advanced writing uh, uh program because y'all know colleges essay writing all day long, right? Uh and, and vision development. What are you in school for in the first place? You know, we, we have young people learning how to code to become professional coders. You're going to cybersecurity. Uh, 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 we, have, we have young people that are learning blockchain technology. You know, our goal is to find out what our baby's passions are, what those careers of the future are, and start preparing them for that 
early on. Our students present about different careers, about different businesses, you know what I'm saying, every week. You know, well, how do you become a nurse? How do you become a doctor? What do you need to study? Where would you go to school at? How long does it take? They need to know that early. We want you to walk, into, walk up to one of our students, and not only can they tell you all about our past, but they can tell you details about their future. And, and I think I that's uh, the direction that African Center Education is headed in. No, I love it. And just like any other school, you have to research the school and make sure that it's going to, you know, reap the benefits that you need. And, and like I say, right. because unfortunately, uh, when it comes to public school situation, obviously it's public school and you kind of reduce to your district if you're in a situation right. where you, in a sense, can't control right. it. Everything that we've been talking about for the first hour is an issue for black parents, but it applies the same right. in finding a school. So I love that about Huru Academy. Um, in way right. I know you have and to I know. mean to go into I mean no, no, going no, no, to no, a shameless no, plug. No, you're you're you know what I'm saying? I want to make sure I let Chinway go because we respect her time. But yes. in, in closing, if you will, Chinway, um, Colombo has a, a very similar approach. We big up, and at the end of the day, if for people that are listening that if you have any incentive or think, okay, that's the type of school we should put those schools so that they can have the resources to compete on all levels. So if you will, um, Chidway, uh, close us out for the top of the hour. And um, I know you got to go, Queen. So whatever you want to say about Colombo, but thank you for being on and giving us your three cents this morning um, before we go to the break. Okay. Uh, thank you for having me. Kiwango has been around for about 15 years, or 15 or 16 years, and our students are top-notch. They go on to be, they have, they have, they have, they're fulfilling the mission. They are going on to make something of their lives, but playing it forward. They are contributing to this world and trying to make it a better place. They are activists. They know their stuff, and and they're in all different professions. Very proud of our scholars. Very proud of them. And I do have to run, but I am so happy. Okay, and everyone have a great day. I will be right back. It was an honor. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Caller out there, I don't know if you're still listening, Caller, but you can actually get back in on this thing. We were just coming to you out of the break. So um, the bad with us, when you press the one, we're going to get to you. Just give us a little time like it does the show. You have to wait till we get you in here. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Cause I look 
Truth seekers, please understand mental dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons and two reasons only, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the connect side, we've created a community where you can network and connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance, along with all the other skill sets from other Mental Dialogue Community Club members. Our mission was to create a virtual wild nation, virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. Hashtag raise the culture. So you just heard the mission. We're not here just to talk. We are here to connect. And with that said, I have a couple of special guests, Brother Pianti, as well as Brother Baba Amin for the Uhuru Academy. Uh, Baba Amin, this morning's discussion question, public school education benefit or detriment to black children? But before we go any further, um, highlight not only the Uhuru Academy, but y'all went international with this thing, if you will, King. And I just really want to take the opportunity to make sure people are understanding when you hear about the opportunity to support somebody out there who's educating our children in the way that we would agree with or would want them to, then there has to, we have to support it. So if you will, speak to this, this international leap, if you will. I'll call it that, but you can explain it better than I can, right. if you will. Well, you know, it was actually something that, that came about through the black community. We had uh, a family here that was engaged with the school with our summer program that had family overseas. That, no, I'm sorry. No, it was a family overseas that saw, heard about us on social media through on, through Google. Uh, and they contacted their friends in the States. And it was like, yeah, you know, uh, we, we downed that program. And, and uh, next thing I know, we had students in London. But we've also had students in Canada uh, as well. We've had students in the islands uh, as well. And, and uh, just being in the virtual space uh, allows us to do that. Uh, of course, there are some time differences that we have to work out. But where it works, it, it works. And, and one of the things that we found is that black children needing affirmation, needing to be reaffirmed, is a global issue. It's not just a U.S. domestic issue. It's an issue that that, uh, black children, specifically those that are still receiving colonized uh, education, uh, are dealing with uh, throughout the globe. Now, we can adapt and, and excel in any system, right? But reaching our full potential is another thing. And and, and the amount of, of people who don't get it, who don't adapt, right, it, it's, it's too big. And we, we need to provide alternatives. I like what, when Brother Pianchi mentioned uh, school choice uh, 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 for parents, you know, uh, that political development would allow us to take our tax dollars and that would create an incentive for us to begin to uh, educate our own children and convert some of these churches and, and some of these places into schools when you know that, hey, your tax dollars, you can, we can break take our tax dollars over there. We can develop alternatives. And then that would help the public school system because now you have a real or else in place that they say, okay, if y'all don't fix it, if this is, what we, if this, if this is not what y'all going to do with our tax dollars, then we're going to take our tax dollars somewhere else. 
you know, but but yes, uh, the Uhuru Academy uh, has expanded uh, internationally. Uh, we're very proud of that. Uh, we want to continue that expansion as well. Uh, uh, and our doors are open still, still here at home. Y'all, we're enrolling. We have a summer program coming up. You can visit UhuruAcademy.com to get more information. Uh, and of course, you can support our work uh, via donation. Uh, ca- uh, cash app is dollar sign Uhuru Academy. You know, but I really would like you to go to the site and see what we have to offer. And uh, the new and new and improved Uhuru Academy website is about to come soon, and where we're going to be offering uh, master classes and 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 offering uh, revenue. Uh, opportunities for black teachers, right, to actually make residual income by teaching uh, teaching our students. So big announcement coming soon. I ain't ready to make it today, but a big announcement is coming soon. Hey, we'll have you back on when you make that one too, King. Um, but, yeah, let's yes, get sir. back into um, this morning's discussion question. <clears throat> Public school education benefit or detriment to black children? Um, as Baba Amin just said, the reality is our children can navigate any system uh, uh, to a degree. And so uh, I think it's still very pertinent because here's the we know, let's, if we're honest, as much as we would love to, in a sense, enroll all of our children in the Hurus and the Columbos of the world if we could. But, you know, again, you still have to vet a school and make sure it is meeting and competing, if you will. And Brother Pianchi is always talking about the idea of black children competing, very capable. As he said, no child wakes up wanting to fail. Mm-hmm. And so it's expectations that quite often lead to a lot of the things that we don't like and dislike. But if you will, Brother Pianchi, just knowing that you, again, was able to, in a sense, ensure your grandson excel throughout his schooling, if you will, um, could you highlight what that looks like for a parent who may not be, you know, from their perspective, either able or have not decided to take the step to move to online or with the transition to homeschooling, things that we all advocate that are very smart for a lot of our children based on the detriment that the school system is, what does it look like when they they can't do that? Because I think you're very good at helping parents learn how to navigate the system that they're in. Can you talk about that? And uh, 571, we'll get to you after Brother Pianchi answers. Well, you know, you had a skit that made mention about violence toward children. Then it also talked about the punishment for for the kids that uh, curse and and get into all those type of demonstrations. Let me tell you something. If my child ever cursed me, that would be violence, the reaction for me. So early on, they knew that's something you do not do. Not only me, but anyone else. When I was a, a child walking down the street with my grandfather, if I didn't uh, if I didn't greet the person walking toward us, I don't even have to know him. I may have ended up on the other side of the street. So it was some things that was instilled in me, and I just turned around and instilled them into my kids. My daughter experienced it. My grandson, like I said, I made him do 100 math problems every day. And if he get to 75 and miss, he start all over. And if he went to his mama complaining, that mama, Papa's making me start all over. She would tell him, get back in there because he made me do the same thing. So right then he understood, well, I can't talk my way out of this that way. So you have to develop a sense of discipline with your young people, your children, and that would stick with them. It would See, if you don't have respect for authority in the household, when you go to school, guess what? You ain't going to have respect for authority. 
Then when you get out into the public, guess what? They're not going to have respect for authority, which leads in to many of the things that's going on on a social level and also in the public, in the news that we've witnessed in the last few years. So I'll say this before I go to the caller. Um, yeah, 75 math questions for a young kid may sound harsh to some of you out there, but we're talking about a grandson that's a double major scholarship uh, working and, and finishing up the second major, I think if I remember that correctly, um, um, and one of the majors being engineering. So, so you know, a lot of y'all got your kids shooting them free throws. And it was 100, it's 100 questions. And it's the same thing. He, You know, I noticed in him that he had a knack baseball. His grandfather played baseball. So uh, that's the sport I led him into. Every day, or every other day, we hit him 100 ground balls. Uh, well, if he missed number 80, guess what? Starting over. He started all over. Thank you. Uh, I love it. Uh, I love it. And that's just really getting into that innate ability because um, sometimes, unfortunately, if you're just sending them off to public school, you may never find out your child's innate ability just from that alone. And some, and again, I'm not even knocking it as if, you know, your situation is that's all you can do. I'm not knocking it, but it's just something that would love for you to think about. Let's go to the caller. Area code 571, last three, 237. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hey, Montoya, this is Emil. How you doing, brother? Hey, what you got, King? This brother always brings it. Thanks a lot for getting in on this thing. Let me highlight this is a platinum level member when I was just highlighting that the community club is here for more than just being a talk show. Go ahead, King. What you got for us? So um, this dialogue is beautiful, but um, the most challenging part of the discussion that is hard for us as black people to reconcile is Everybody who wants their children to do well will find a way for their children to do well. But that's not the mass of black people. And that's not because they don't care for their children to do well. But a lot of us, we don't have the means to spend the time with our children the way we should. And I know that it's not an excuse, but it's a life that we have to live. A lot of us don't have good jobs that allow us the flexibility to interact with our school, whether it's public or private or home. We don't have enough income to be able to sustain one, one parent working while another teaches. A lot of our homes are single parents. So uh, there's a lot of concern. I have a lot of concern personally that a lot of the parents that need this the most are not able to access this, not because they cannot access it. These brothers and sisters, these educators are doing a great job of making sure they're available, but that they don't even know what they don't know in terms of being able to uh, have the influence that they need. Maybe they don't have the time or the energy, or they've never been socialized into thinking that education is important. And there's a lot of black students in places like where I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, as well as in places that are more densely populated with black folks, where that message that your concern as a parent is the number one factor to your child's success it's either lost because of circumstances or has never been heard or understood and acknowledged by a parent in the first place. Now, this is a major point. We're right at the break. I'm going to let Baba Amin talk about what you said, um, but I got to, you know, again, take care of my sponsors. That's how I remain on the air. Right. Uh, Mel, you can support me as well and be like um, Emil and become a platinum level member at mentaldialogue.com. But we'll be right back. Baba Amin, I'll let you. I'll discuss that coming out of the break. 
You're listening to the Mr. No Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 781 Four eight six zero. Again, for a service job done right, that number is four seven eight seven eight one four eight six zero. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host Montoya Smith, aka Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question: Public school education benefit or detriment to Black children? Special guest brother Pianki out of St. Louis and Baba Amin from the Uhura Academy. Uh, we have a caller on the line, Emil Bryant, that posed a very, very prevalent question that has to be added to this discussion. You don't know what you don't know, and the fact that he's right. Uh, we do have African-American children. I, in a sense, grew up in an environment where the socialized even to not even see education as important. So mm. we wouldn't be right to have this discussion without dealing with that elephant in the room, if you will. Baba, I mean, your discussion mm. thoughts. Uh, somebody has a little something in the background. I don't know if they can help that. Um, here, something in the background. Um, but um, if you will, Baba, I mean, your thoughts to what Emil had to say. Um, I, I listen and, um, I, I would say, man, I've been working with black youth and families for over 30 years. And, and the first, uh, uh, community I worked in, uh, was Butler house. It was, was a so-called project, you know, but I'm going to say in these 30 years, I've never encountered a black family who didn't think education was important. I haven't, I'm not saying it don't exist. But in my experience, I haven't worked with a black family. I've seen a black man that, that looked and say, man, education don't mean nothing or education is not important or didn't understand the power of education. What I have run into are black families who's given up on the public education system. I run into black families who, who say that education ain't relevant to what you need to survive right now. He's he getting education. He's learning how to survive these streets. She's getting the education. She's learning how to get out the projects. She's learning how to do this. She's learning. It, they don't teach that over there. And, and now, and what they're learning, what they have to learn and engage in to get out the streets or, or to survive the streets ain't necessarily positive. And it's, and it's probably self-destructive, but it's still, in a sense, quote, unquote, an education. So I've seen 
I've seen black families say that's not a relevant education. You know, I've seen young people drop out of school to sell drugs because mama's on drugs or, or, or daddy's passed away or whatever. They got three younger siblings and can't think of another way to do it. Or, or You know what I'm saying? I've seen that, you know, but it wasn't because they didn't understand that education was important. But I think just like how people stop voting, you see people who stop out on the public school system because right or wrong, they don't see uh, that relevance, right? And so, and, and that's our discussion today, is the public school system a detriment? So it's one of those things where just like with voting, people say, well, I ain't voting because they all crooked. Well, we say, well, you should vote, but we can't argue with the crooked part because there is some corruption, a lot of corruption that goes on. So we have to think further. We got to dig deeper and say, okay, how can we correct this situation where, okay, we're still going to the school, but now let's, how do we fix the school? How do we make it something more relevant? You know, how do we reinforce and, and, and get that confidence in the home to make people feel empowered to do that? You know, because I don't, I don't meet black people who say, Education is not important. I don't mean yeah, those let me, let me jump in, let me and, jump and in so, right here and, and let me jump in real quick know. because I've got another caller. Yeah. Uh, and what I want to jump in on is, and I'm gonna let Emil kind of address, you know, give one last thought before we go to the next caller. Um, but more important than even the idea that, because I think even he said parents know it's important. So I'm not necessarily talking about the parents, if you will. Um, and I don't, I don't know that that's, that was his focus, and I'll let him speak for himself. Uh, but I want I wanted to highlight what I felt like was more important. He, was just the idea of the parents that are stuck and based on their reality, they know education is, education is important, but their their reality is they're not in a situation to even take these bright ideas that we're saying today. I think that really was the, right. the bigger yeah. point, if you will. Um, but I'll let Emil mm-hmm. get one more last thought on that before we go to the next caller. I don't know. You're you live. Like no problem. It's my pleasure. It, by the time you hit the nail on the head, It's the wherewithal. It's the ability to take the time. It's the time. More than anything that black, a lot of black parents don't have. They have the desire, uh, whether it's a street education or formal education, they have the desire, but they don't have the ability. The the 24 hours of their day do not contain what they feel is the time to uh, dedicate to their children's excellence. And this is where I was a sub in the D.C. charter school system for a couple of years. So I learned a lot about education from that perspective. And what I learned was that um, a parent who cares will use the resource available to them to the maximum extent possible. But if a parent does not have the ability to take that time, it doesn't matter. They're hard. They do the best they can, but there's still not enough raw time in each day. What I'm focused on is that the public education is hurting or helping is directly is directly correlated to the ability of the parents to engage their children's education. Yes, we can talk about the quality of the school, the quality of the educators, but to me, in the school system I taught in, as well as the school systems I raised my children in, parental involvement was the number one factor whether or not a child could succeed or not. And what I'm hoping for is that we can help figure out how to get more time for black parents who are struggling with low-wage jobs, who have to work two jobs, who are struggling with the inability to have enough time to work with their children the way that we think they should in order for them to succeed. That's where technology is helping us, too. 
and that's where I was about to go. Uh, that's the beauty of uh, 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 Huru being doing this thing since 2016. So everything right. in the public school system was having to figure out because of the pandemic. Right. Because we dealt with know, that scenario. We deal yeah, with that already, situation yeah, he's you know, ahead of with the our school, not only yeah. helping them on the financial level, but helping on that time at involvement level because they have access 24-7, you know, through the technology uh, uh, and, and, and just having that open door. And I found making parents uh, feel empowered, uh, reaching out understanding the struggle, uh, being flexible with, with, uh, uh, with the scheduling. You know, so there are so many things that we could do when we put our heads together. Like you say, a lot of us got the, the head, the mind, and the heart to do it, but we just can't find the time. But I found in my experience that when we actually, when we sit down and, and we work as a village, we find that time. We, we work it out. And that's what I want any parent listening because, Emil, that was such a pertinent thing to bring to this conversation. So for anybody out there listening that says, dang, what he just described is my situation, please know that there are answers more than likely from people who look like you and really care about your children than the school system could even offer, even if they wanted to, because of a lot of the things that we're saying are tying their hands. I got another caller. Thank you for your three cents this morning, um, uh, Brother Emil. All right, let's go to another caller and get Brother Piaki's thoughts as well on this. Area code 404-63667. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hello, Brother Montoya. This is Calvin Harris with MLSEP Academy. How are you today, brother? Hey, so glad to hear from you, King. This brother right here has been one of my longest supporters. You know, you got some people that just, they silently have your back. Uh, this, you know, and so for this brother to get on here publicly is not his style. So thank you so much. He actually had. I'm, I'm tripping because I'm glad to have you on the on the phone. But I'll go ahead and let you get into your thoughts. Uh, he also runs a, a African Center school, school here in Atlanta that has been doing this thing for a number of years. So not only give us your thoughts, brother, but highlight your school once you finish your thoughts, if you will. Thank you so much for calling in, King. Oh, no problem, no problem. Like you said, I know you've been trying to get me on here for a while, and uh, I don't know. I'm just busy. But today, uh, God sought it to make sure I saw your text today, and I was like, man, that's a good conversation. Let me listen to it, and I just had to jump in on here. Um, I'm very thankful, King. Go ahead. So when we're talking about our public schools, and 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 everybody's hit on it, I'd like to thank uh, Colombo coming on and Yahura Academy. Everybody has great points. And when we talk about that parental environment, especially when it comes to our public schools, I think we, we just don't have that many years in our community to have developed what it means to have healthy education in our public schools. And, and it's just us as a community taking control of that and making sure that um, we're organizing. So if I have a, 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 a parent, or not me, just say our community has a parent that's unhappy uh, with the teacher in the classroom, rather than just go in angry and 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 I'm pulling my child out. This isn't what we see in our counterparts. This isn't what we see in white communities. They go in and they change the school. They they organize and they get together. And 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 even when it comes into time, um, it's in in some cases you you do have. There's always somebody that's available. And and organizing with other people, they can be the voice. But it takes less time than what many people think to be a part of your school. Um, even though I run a, a, a private Afro Center school, all my kids went to public high schools. And 
uh, the parent advocate, um, we, we were in the classroom. If we didn't like what we see, we sat down with the counselors, we sat down with the teachers, we sat down with the principals and said, hey, why is this going on? A great example, my son was in a, a um, advanced physics class and as an 11th grader, and his, uh, he had classmates that um, had failed the class, seniors, and didn't care, and they sat in the back, and they laughed, and they shot dice and stuff. So uh, my wife and I simply went to the principal and said, uh, why are they in this classroom? If, if you have a class that's here to teach children, and you have a teacher that wants to teach the children, and that teacher is trying to speak over those kids that don't want to be there, um, if they're not there, get them out of that particular classroom. But then we have to address the issues of why are they in there? Why are they acting the way that they're acting? And just taking control of our schools, taking control of our community, that allows us to develop uh, educational models that can then be shared with one another. And that goes into another point of, of us Afrocentric institutions and community schools are just working with one another and sharing with one another and uh, having our own groups of success because our communities are our communities. They don't reflect all communities. Um, another brother did say education um, has to have a standard across the board no matter what your faith is, and, and I agree with that 100%, but a Catholic education doesn't reflect a Christian education or an Islamic education or a Jewish education. So as Afro African educators, um, and educators often Afro-centered education, uh, we have to share our successes with one another so that we can um, all move forward successfully for our community and continue to build models that um, can be shared and therefore we eliminate others coming into our community um, with a remix that we know isn't great for our kids, but because of lack of education of our community, we see our parents flocking to these institutions that don't really reflect who we are and um, because they don't know, uh, they flock into them. So um, I think just taking that responsibility and, and building those groups that allow us to say, this is our community, uh, these are our schools, and we're going to do um, the best we can and advocate for the best, not just go somewhere else or seek to fire people, but to what can we do to help be the change within our institutions. No, I love the thoughts, and this is something that Baba Amin always talks about. We're up against another break here. we got another caller. Um, but advocating is more work than protesting and a lot of things that we're used and common to doing. And so I would love to hear Baba Amin's thoughts about the advocating portion as well as even what it looks like working with other institutions specifically in the space, because I could, as we always, we always know there's more power in numbers and I, I don't know how much that happens. You know, again, nice that I put together this show and all of you in a sense show up today, which is a beautiful thing. The bigger thing is, you know, sharing with our listeners that, Hey, this stuff exists. This is what the, the, the schools that care about your kids, this is how they look, show up differently than what maybe you're used to. So I'm, I'm loving the fact that we're able to highlight that today. I am up against the break. Uh, Charlton, if you're able to stay on, I may get you back in on the discussion because I, I want to hear Brother Pianchi's and um, Amin's thoughts to what you had to say. But, again, i got to take care of my sponsors. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. 
You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. For all the success stories that we see in traders, there are countless others, thousands, even millions of others, of unsuccessful people who were wiped out. Again, that money had to come from somewhere. These are the first questions that keep you in the game because, again, what trading is not, is not a game. Trading is a practice. It's art and science in a way that if you do it correctly, you can make money. This course is designed to help you as a trader, as a young, burgeoning trader, or if you've had some experience and maybe some difficulties in trading, to understand the elements that are involved in what makes trading as hard and competitive and hopefully see some of the success that you probably thought that you would have in the first place. If you're interested in learning how to invest and trade with a great foundation, please visit Blacks Academy at their YouTube page. Just spoke with the founder of Blacks Academy a couple of days ago. They opened up their initial offering this year. This brother has 17 years of experience that he's given to others, and their school lifetime um, founding membership has literally led to great success, and people are learning how to get in that space very quickly, even discussing quitting their jobs because they're learning information that well when it comes to investing and trading. Definitely an option, something that Brother Pianchi is also an advocate of. Uh, but this morning's discussion question, public school education benefit or detriment to the black children, to, to black children. Um, if we will, Baba I Amin, mean, we'll start back with you and get Baba I Amin's mean, thoughts on what uh, Brother Carlton had to say, um, who also runs an African center um, school here in the Atlanta area as well. But advocating <clears throat> and the schools coming together, that's a little right. different thought. And I want to hear your thoughts on that as well. You know, and that's one of the things that stood out for me uh, uh, that Brother was talking about, the importance of community partnerships, the importance of us working with public schools, being a resource for public schools. And uh, excuse me, I'm breathing. I was engaging in a little workout. Um, <laughs> you good. I, I, so I, we important. didn't catch it, Brother. You, get, you, you let, the good, you okay. let the good out the bag on yourself. We didn't even know. Oh yeah, okay. I thought I was breathing heavy. Okay, uh, <laughs> but the importance the, the importance of advocating. One of the things that we we we've done over the years uh, with one with our, with our, one of our major com- community partners and, and organization members, Baba Bomani. He has a program called Pipeline of Power, and a part of what he does is youth advocacy and family advocacy within the school. Uh, uh, where we're a resource. If you need help, if your your child's getting third partied or there's suspension uh, going on, uh, we'll go in and we'll advocate for the family, making sure that all policies are followed, that, that you get the hearing that you need to get. We'll advocate the school. Wow. Well, 
we call it advocating for the school, but the family as well, making sure the teachers are sending home the work, right. everything that that student needs to do. Um, we partner with uh, with uh, uh, school districts in Texas, uh, providing uh, consultation on black history curriculum, uh, visiting classrooms. Uh, we provide motivational uh, life skills courses for high school students uh, inside of the uh, public school system, uh, and we meet and we go to the principals directly. You know, you you, you go you go directly to teachers directly to principals if you know someone uh, in the school district so we've taken the we've taken the position that as African educators it's not wise for us even though we are diametrically opposed uh, to uh, public school system policies and and practices and we don't miss any words uh, uh, when it comes to how our children are treated inside that system at the same time we're a resource for families who are engaged in the public school and a resource for the public school itself when they want to do the right thing or if they need to partner with a culturally relevant uh, program that, that's tied into the community that lends legitimacy to what they have to offer so it's a relationship that can work uh, uh, that can work work both ways, but we do have to take the initiative to, to be a part of that. So you know, uh, independent education programs inside of our community can serve as a bridge and a true advocate for black families, especially those working class black families and parents that don't have the time uh, uh, to, 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 to be there on the spot every time something happens in the, in the public school system. So that partnership that sounds, is important. That sounds amazing. Brother Pianchi, your thoughts? Well, you know, one thing I wanted to tell you that when you have conversations like this, you got to allow some time for solutions. And because many times I see that we that we make emphasis on the problems, but you have to have time set up for solutions. And I listened to Brother Amin. See, Brother Amin has got a heart. You got to have a heart for these things. And he takes what his life experiences have been and what he hears what he's seen, what he's witnessed, and he tries to provide solutions. And also, uh, not only solutions, but a direction in which people are to go. You have to be dedicated at something. It just can't be easy. And and see, we talk about black history. If I was gonna gonna advise people on black history, I would ask them, well, what are blacks doing today? You know, something that disturbed me is when I go in a classroom, they studying people back in the 1800s. I say, well, what about me? Look at the downtown skyline. Look at all the buildings I put up. Look at the bridges when you cross the water. Why come I'm not in black history? I, I, I'm starting to get jealous. <laughs> you, <laughs> you damn right, because we, we still doing a whole lot that ain't showing we up. We still it's doing it. Yes. Let me ask you something too. And also you have to you got to study the future. Let me ask back in August the 16th, 2010, Bitcoin. It was 7 cents a coin. So, as you brother, I mean you teach your children blockchain technology. Also, if you're teaching your children analytical thinking and how to look into what the future behold, like we talked today about what the future behold in space professions and activity, how many Bitcoins would you have bought knowing what you know now is six cents a piece? It makes a difference. Old school would have bought some. Yes, sir. 
Now, well, you'll be glad to know this, Brother Pianchi. Um, tomorrow night we have a mastermind group, and so we did a we've done a couple of conversations on that topic. And tomorrow is understanding NFTs. Um, but you know, just me, you know, pull my own coattail and say, hey, get that platinum or black level membership, and you can get invited to those invite only because we definitely do the high skill what we are doing today and that's definitely an area that we want to make sure our business owners who typically are the ones that join at that level that they understand because again they're busy with their business but they need to understand like you said looking to the future as well i want to um get brother charlton right back in this thing just real quick um because again he said a lot that i think was very pertinent to today's discussion and i do feel like we are talking solutions just from the standpoint of even hearing a brother baba me say hey Here's how we partner even with the school system, and here's a benefit in the event that your child is being done wrong in the system. Uh, again, I think Charlton Char- Char- was talking about some other things in addition to that. And, again, I'm just uh, big on observing these amazing kings and queens out here doing these things, and I love watching Baba Amin. And he's always talking about the work behind advocacy, and I feel like to a degree – Brother Charleston is even challenging our own community and not letting it, leaving it to the system. Where is our energy? Where is our own advocacy as a community, as a culture? And without doing that, these problems, as Brother Pianchi just mentioned, will be continued, this continued promise, problems that we continue to talk about with no change. Um, so let me get Brother Charleston's thoughts on, in a sense, what I just said and if I'm capturing what he was bringing to the table. Go ahead, King. You're back live if you want if you want to get in on this thing. Yeah, thank you, Montoya. So I agree. We can't leave it to the system. I think uh, um, project housing was left to the system. Welfare was left to the system. There's so much left to the system that does not benefit us as a community. Um, so I think that uh, within my institution, and I'm sure a lot of our other guests here, Uh, we see that we have a lot of public school parents, and public school parents meaning that they work within the school system themselves. And um, things that they see us doing, they can take back to their own schools as as a resource person and say, hey, uh, while my child does not attend this particular public school, I am here working, and I see these things happening in the community. But um, more so than that is just us taking uh, that responsibility for our schools. And I think here in Atlanta, we're blessed to have um, such strong communities. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing um, across education um, in my institution is that I'm seeing more of our black parents that have the ability to take their kids anywhere coming back to community schools because they're just saying our kids are not getting what they need outside of our community. So, even myself, if I had to look at my three children and um, their high school experiences, one within their community and two with outside of their community, um, I, and, and that wasn't uh, by choice. It was by necessity because the school that they were zoned for um, shut down enrollment within to their magnet program. Um, my kids didn't get what they needed outside of their community as they would have inside. We were strong parents and advocates, but if you're advocating with people that don't share your values, there's only so much you can do to ensure that your child has a great experience. So therefore um, advocating within our community, uh, creating partnerships with those businesses in our community, um, getting a resource of schools. I know there are uh, Afrocenter school groups out there, but really bringing us back together because what we've really seen, uh, we've been in business since 1993 
this is our 29th year, and this fall marks our 30th year anniversary. Hey, brother, um, I don't know if you said that, the name of the school public on the, on the station. If you did, say it again so people yes. know who you're talking about when you're saying all of these amazing things. I Correct. I want you to know who you're so, talking about. Yes, so we are MOTEP Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. We've been in business since 93. Um, and, and when we started, there was a, a large resource of Afro-centered schools, and unfortunately, um, as those uh, – uh, elders age, um, there's not enough of us who thought that, hey, one day this person won't be able to do this anymore. So I'm a second generation. I'm not the original founder. Um, and I'm a second generation that looked at the school and said it cannot fail. It cannot no longer cease to exist as to what its purpose and mission is. So there has to be more of us out there that not only look at something and say that's great, but we have to become part of it. Um, and when it comes to educating in our children, that's that's a, a, a very big part is us joining that and um, sharing those ideals and seeking those ideals from one another so that our own schools are, are amazing. No, I love it. Thank you for getting in on, on this discussion with us. Um, and, you know, we definitely got to find a reason to bring you back to the show so people can hear more about it. I hope at a minimum, because, again, I said at the top of the hour, what we do is dialogue and connect, never know where there may be an opportunity, but I want to make sure that you and Brother uh, Baba Amin know each other, and if y'all don't mind, I'm going to pass y'all contact information and ask that y'all seek each other out just to have, if it's nothing but an hour dialogue, to see if I there's can. opportunities. And so um, I'm I'm saying that live on the air, and I'm pretty mm. sure that Brother Charlton will be open to that because, again, that's the ultimate reason we have the community club. We're your Go into a community center and look on the board and look at all the things you need for yourself. That's what we are every Saturday. We like to make on our connection. So, Brother Charlton, if you're open to that, I'm going to pass each other's numbers to each other after the show. And if I could say real quick, Montoya, um, I get uh, I get lots of calls about people saying, hey, can you guys teach us? And we're not an international school. So I tell people, hey, I'm a licensed Georgia school. So, um, Yahuru uh, would definitely get some referrals from MLTEP Academy uh, for right. those people that are calling me from other states saying, hey, what can I do with my I'll education? Yeah, and, uh, and right here, I'm, I'm making a personal dedication. I'm reaching out to Colombo next week um, because right. we're two Afro-centered schools serving uh, the Metro Atlanta community, and we don't communicate a lot. So that has to end, and I'll definitely be reaching out to them to do a school visit and, and – uh, start to create partnerships that we need to make us all stronger. So this is the, so your longtime silent support. Again, I appreciate you just staying dedicated um, to just making sure that what we're doing with mental dialogue um, stands and stays and keeps doing what it's doing. I, I really, to be honest with you, 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 you came and supported the time I asked you, you showed up when I asked you and you supported for years since that time. But what you just said is what we're here for. And that's what the – and I guess you've always understood that and supported it. We've been making those type of connections. I'm so glad to finally make one for you as a longtime Platinum Level member, supporter of what we do. And so I just want to tell you that live on the air. I thank you, and I'm glad that we can serve you because that's what we built this for. We didn't build this to get the most listeners on a talk show. We're here to connect people and, and make sure our community expands. It's almost like if you build it, they will come. And this what will, this will happen, actual action. So I'm kind of blow, blowing through the break because I'm so elated to basically have someone receive a benefit that's been supporting me 
for so long because that's all I've ever wanted to be. So that's beautiful. Connect with Colombo. I'll get y'all each other's numbers. And when you start getting those referral who Academy, just know the connection was made where it was supposed to be. The mental dialogue connection. So, so thank you, Charles, uh, for calling in. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm cause, cause this, this is what I've always wanted to be. I mean, and, and, and we're doing it all the yeah. time. It's just dope when it happens live on the app. That's that's. I say that's I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm energized, man. I'm energized by that. Man, just thanks. There it is. Thank yeah, you. I'm walking around the house hype. I'm trying to keep it down. <laughs> no, I love it. This is what we're here for. This is this my this my rope. This is to be the connector, the media connector. Brother Pianki is one of my biggest supporters as well. Just saying, hey, man. You know, he's always reminding me, you you bigger than you think you are. And and, and again, it's not the first on-air connection, but this one just means a lot because right. Charleston hasn't really gotten the benefit that I've always wanted him to get from it, and this is a chance for right. that to happen. So I'm just thankful. Well, I'm energized, man, because, you know, we're based, out of, we're based out of Columbia, South Carolina. We're just three and a half hours away. So I'm on, I'm I'm coming down and I'm checking out Motep. I'm visiting Colombo and let's see let's see what these combined efforts can do, man. I'm 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 looking forward to it. I'm energized. Yeah. And I and and what for based on what I do in the community club and and Charleston seeing this firsthand, Charleston has seen this firsthand. Whenever you come, let's set it up to where I do an event and have all y'all come out and it'll be over the top. Um. With, with the way I do, because like I say, Charleston, he's seen what I've done, and um, and it's it's bigger and better than even when you saw it back then, man. So so I look forward yeah. to being a connector for That's even okay. when you come here and connecting all okay. of y'all together at the same time. We're gonna make that happen. Yeah. All right, thanks a lot. Right. Um, and brother, and brother Pianchi, you are Black History. I need to get Pian- brother Pianchi. I need you to come talk to my students, man. On on and I'm gonna visit our virtual classroom one day and show us those bridges and them buildings, brother. <laughs> Well, you keep doing what you're doing. I'm very proud of you. Yeah. Um, so with that said, Brother Pianchi, you know, you've, you've connected with people in the community club firsthand, had lunch with people and, and helped them with what they're doing. So it sounds like, if you know, as long as you're good with it, we're going to make one more connection. I'm going to go ahead and pass your number on to Baba Me so he can set up that virtual visit to his school. Well, yeah, I'm always enthused to help and to share information. That's what we're here for. Uh, my information is, is based on decades, not years, decades of experiences, and not only in this country, but you know, around the world, and especially throughout Africa, I've seen things. So, no, we we're always willing to share information. I'll say, no, there it is. And um, Bob, I mean, while we're talking about it, let's make sure they're still knowing how to get access to your international school. Because as like I say, Brother Charleston just, Charleston just say, hey, we can't service people, but you can. So let's let them know how they get in contact. With what doing. All right, I say, now you can reach us directly uh, uh, by calling 682-233-5054 or emailing us at info at uhuraacademy.com. And you can visit us at www.uhuraacademy.com. You can find me on Facebook at Amin Imamu Ojibo or at the Uhura Academy on Facebook. Uh, also Instagram at Baba Amin or at Uhura Academy. So we got all kind of inboxes you can hit. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now in <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So let me go to this last break. I'll get both of your guests, um, both of your final thoughts on this morning's discussion. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. 
LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Are you intimidated by money? While this is a question most people never think to ask themselves, but when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach Ashley Thomas and psychotherapist Dr. Katrina Pitts. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mental Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. Again, super excited about my connection with the Making Money Matters brand and company. Um, Queen Ashley, we have every second Monday where money and mental health meets. Very proud of that new initiative that we have once a month in addition to our community checkup, which is a mental health. Again, we specialize in finance and mental health here at the community club, but along with all of our experts like the, you know, Brother Baba Amin getting connected with education. We have so many people with so many skill sets. I mean, we've done all type of on-air connections, so I cannot thank the highlight this enough um, in business so whoever we know, they're vetted people that are sincere about helping one another, and we come together in the club, and we just challenge you. You know, don't come to see what you can get. Come to see what you can give, and it's all the better. We're better with you than we are without you, and the goal is to raise the culture. But to close out today's discussion question, public school education benefit or detriment to black children, great discussion today. A special guest, Brother Bianchi, as well. His brother Baba Amin. Uh, if I will, just kind of get both of your closing thoughts before I kind of close out with my three cents, if you will, after having this discussion. Um, brother Piaka, we'll start with you, if you will, King. Just your final thoughts on this discussion and just, as you said, talking maybe some additional idea of solution for a parent that's hearing some of these things for the first time or they know they're up against uh, the situation for you know, for our black children, if they're if it's mostly a detriment, you know, closes out with the recommendation for anybody listening. Well, it, it is a detriment, and I proceed to demand. Well, I would like to see more closing or getting away from government schools because it don't work. The, the the amount of effort that you put into it, you're not getting that efficiency. You're not getting that work. It's just like a gasoline engine. It's about 40% efficient, no matter what you do to tune it as far as air and gasoline mixtures. It's about 40% efficient. Uh, you need to have a part two of this, like I say, on solutions and how and what that education should look out and look like and what it, sh- it should be trying to shoot for. Now, well, I got Brother Charlton, who, again, he's 
jumped in here. Um, yeah, maybe we can figure that out with that brother. Know how to come up with a conversation that that speaks to those solutions. So uh, hopefully he'll be open to that. So that sounds like a, uh, another opportunity. Um, if you will, brother Bob, any of your final thoughts on today's discussion question? Public school education benefit or detriment to black children? Any solutions to a degree for any parent out there trying to figure it out? You know, obviously signing up for who Academy is one of those solutions. Um, but in the event that they're not ready for that, any thoughts on what that looks like for anybody listening? All right. First, I want to tell you, excellent job, Montoya. Thank you for for having this discussion and facilitating this discussion. And I look forward uh, to part two. I look forward to to going into into these solutions in more detail. Uh, black parents out there, um, we don't have to tell you that the public school system is detrimental to to our to black children uh, at this point. Um, we do have options. And yes, the Uhura Academy, Imhotep Academy, you have different programs out there. But you have more power than you think you have as well. Uh, uh, you know, take control. Come together, take control. Uh, rethink. Re- just change the way we think about public schools. They're not doing you a favor. Those schools belong to you. You're public in public school. Those schools belong to you, and we have to act accordingly. Uh, send a representative. You can't get to the school board meeting. Send a representative to the school board meeting. It's somebody sitting at the house that that's, that's getting a check every month or or not working right now. You know what I'm saying? Send that person to the school board meeting that's mm-hmm. in the neighborhood that ain't working. You know what I'm saying? We got to right. be creative in 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 saving our children. There's no excuse. Like like we have to figure it out because our children are our future. There's no way around that. And we have to be more engaged in shaping it. Everybody's making money off of black children, except the black community, all right? And so we have to get in there and stop allowing our children to be cash cows for people who are not interested in their future and figure out ways to pull the value out of our children in a way that builds up the community and the people that they love and that they want to build up. No, I love it. Thank all of you. No, absolutely. Let's get to work. I want to thank all of y'all so much for coming on uh, this morning. And um, I'm going to close this out kind of a new way for those that know I've started a a new podcast called Just My Three Cents, typically on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Sometimes I do it on Thursday nights. It's actually a video podcast. So we've long time uh, here on Blog Talk. I'm not leaving you here, but we did start an additional uh, short version, which is kind of an extension of what we're already doing here. And I always close that show out with a piece for my upcoming book. Uh, I just re- recently changed the name of the book. It was called Just My Three Cents as well. Uh, but now we're calling it The Re-Education of the Negro. And so I wanted to share a piece that I think from the book, very short piece, that is relevant to today's discussion. And so, uh, again, thank you all so much for listening. But I just wanted to give you all, in a sense, my three cents uh, from this upcoming book. Again, new name, Re-Education of the Negro. And this piece called Black Socrates Speaks. African-centered education. This is a quote I came up with years ago to lead off the piece. And that quote was, you do not respect a people or a person whose history you do not see as equal to your own. Again, that quote is, you do not respect a a people or a person whose history you do not see as equal to your own. For many black people, the term African-centered education 
causes us concern about whether or not the children are being taught history in a way that also teaches them to hate white people. On the other hand, we routinely send our black minds to public schools that teach our children their ancestors were enslaved and they should be grateful they are even allowed to go to school with their white classmates. Apart from a few recycled African-American historical figures during Black History Month, they will mostly learn all the great things white people did for this country. Therefore, many of their ancestors are forgotten and exist only in the shadows of American history. Is there any wonder why today in certain aspects of American society we still feel like shadows? It should become abundantly clear the necessity of African-centered schools or the need for homeschooling our black children so that first and foremost they can learn about their own greatness in addition to math and science. How vital is it for them to learn about Patrice Lumumba, Madison Washington, Ella Baker, Fannie Lou Hamer, Bayard Rustin, Stephen Biko, Kwame Nkrum, Haram Verbell, Robert Smalls, Hubert Harrison, John Henry Clark, and so many more forgotten heroes to instill the necessary pride to properly navigate this American experience. The idea of integration was to come together, but in doing so, we only learned his story and never included our story. That's just my three cents. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.